Three Beers In, a craft podcast with beer news and reviews. Here's your host, Dominic Ribello. Well, look at that. I went with the old music first. Is that a new trend, maybe, in uh, in 2021? Who knows? From deep underground in Staten Island's beer bunker slash virtual saloon, welcome to yet another episode of Three Beers In, the craft beer show bringing you the latest beer news and unique craft beer reviews. I'm your host, Dom, and this is episode number 186, I almost said 185, 186, and this week we are drinking from the Jersey Cyclone Brewing Company, Calm Before the Storm. <clears throat> it is a stout, this is a brewery out of Somerset, New Jersey, I believe, it is a 6% ABV uh, milk stout, sweet stout, uh, it looks like it's going to be pretty good, 6% ABV sounds a little sheepish to me for a stout we'll see whether or not it is up to snuff in terms of the full-bodied flavor that you do uh usually look forward to in a full-on stout maybe it's going to taste more like a porter who knows we shall see though that low of alcohol excuse me that low of an abv for a stout giving me a little bit of a red flag there but no big deal it's it is what it is I am so glad to be here, ladies and gentlemen, so glad to be talking to you guys, to have you joining here with me as I drink this Rupsam and Horman Pilsner that was given to me as a Christmas gift from my sister and brother-in-law. <clears throat> I remember, I think I told you about this, but if you haven't heard this before, I I was having like a casual conversation with them and I said, you know, I would, I would never carry a lunchbox <coughs> like to work or anything like that unless it was like a, a lunchbox with a goat on it. And they managed to, yeah, here it is right here. They managed to find a lunchbox where the entire thing is just a gigantic goat, like his face. It is so obnoxious, and it's right down my alley. Like, this is what I would bring to work. This is what I would flaunt as a lunch bag. Matter of fact, maybe when I go back to work on Tuesday, because I'm off tomorrow for uh, Dr. Martin Luther King Jr.'s birthday, I have a dream, uh, I might actually pack some lunch and bring that bad boy out because I do need the world to see it. I want to share it with the world. How are you all doing? So, so glad again for you guys to be joining me. Uh, whether you're listening this evening, tomorrow, or whenever you're listening to this episode, I'm just glad that you're here. A little bit of an update on my front. I'm really sorry for those of you that I kind of, I feel like I I did like a, <clears throat> I did a bad thing. You know, I was talking all this sumo here. By the way, we're in day eight of sumo. A lot of crazy stuff happening on the leaderboard. A lot of upsetting things. Um, But before we jump into the sumo situation, I do have to apologize because last week, excuse me, last week I had put in the description uh, box of the podcast a link to uh, a channel that that has sumo, right? And unfortunately... What had happened was it got taken down by NHK. NHK or N- NKH, uh, I-, I might be getting it wrong, is like a Japanese, is the Japanese like broadcasting company. So if you were to, oh God, I got to sneeze. Hold on. I got to, it was violent and it was insane, that sneeze. I just, I'm actually appalled by the fact that I sneezed like that. I really hope that I remember to take out that pause that I took to take that sneeze. Anyway, NHK or, or NKH, I, I can't recall the, exact acronym is like if you were to take ESPN and CNN and PBS and put them all together, that is what NHK is. It is like the national broadcast of 
I think it might be Hong Kong or or Japan, it just in general. But they uh, they had a pretty tight grip on the uh, on people putting out the sumo on the YouTube and also on Twitch and stuff like that. So they banned them uh, outright. They would take down their videos for copyright violations. So the guy Nato Sumo that I put into the description box last week, you were not able to see anything. But on day six or seven, I believe today was day eight. They just started allowing um, the cop. They took away the copyright violations and allowed the videos to go up. So <clears throat> though it did not work before, if you are to go to that link and you are to click it, Nato Sumo, N-A-T-T-O-S-U-M-O, if you don't want to copy and paste, if you can't pop, uh, copy and paste, that'll be a way for you to be able to see the Sumo. We are leaving uh, day eight today. Uh, day nine is today for us. It's going to, it's actually going to be starting in Japan at any moment. Uh, and again, like I said, a Sumo is 15 straight days of Sumo. Um for those of you that do follow the sumo and stuff like that, we got some fan favorites that are on the bottom of the table here. With uh, Tochi Notion is down two and six. Uh, Takakesho is one of the biggest upsets right here right now. Is that he is indeed two and six. And if you recall, um, for those of you that maybe this is the first time you're watching, Takakesho won the last basho. The basho is the tournament, and he was the favorite to win again. Uh, and usually, if you have two wins. Uh, two back-to-back sumo uh, uh, tournament wins, Basho wins, as well as 30-plus wins in your last three, uh, Basho, you uh, you probably get promoted to Yokozuna if you're in the Ozeki rank. So the ranks kind of work like this. You have your, your regular Magashira, and it goes from 1 to 16, uh, 17. And uh, once you get past that, you have your Komasubi, then you have your uh, Sekaiwake, then you have your Ozeki, and then it goes up to Yokozuna. Um, there is a lot of technical mumbo-jumbo that goes in between the those named um, ranks. They're not numbered ranks. They're named ranks. You have to maintain a certain amount of wins. <clears throat> For example, if Takakesho <clears throat> does not get his... Um, his uh, if he doesn't win at least eight uh, matches, uh, he will be Kataban for the next Basho. And the Kataban means that if he does not win at least ten in that tournament, he will be stripped of his Ozeki status and he'll be bumped down to either Sekiwake or uh, he might even be bumped into the Megashira again. So it's complicated, but uh, for those that are not um, initiated, as you go on watching the Sumo, it kind of becomes more explanatory. The, the The rankings are done by the Sumo Association and they do a very good job of it. I, I understand that there, of course, there is some drama and there's some, you know... <clears throat> Bullshit that goes along with that, but th- for the most part, they do give pretty good rankings, and you do get some really good uh, sumo. So yeah, so no Yokozuna, they call this the Nokozuna type of basho. Uh, Hakuho, who is one of the best uh, Yokozunas ever, and one of the best sumo wrestlers right now, even though he's um, he's older. Uh, I think he's thirty five years old. Um, hang on a second here. So uh, he had gotten COVID. Uh, Kakaru, which is the other Yokozuna, he pulled out because of the COVID thing. He used it as an excuse. <clears throat> now, also, uh, I'll just add this. I don't, I don't want to, I'm sorry I'm droning on about sumo. It's stupid. But the only people who are not affected in terms of their rank are the Yokozuna. Once you make it to Yokozuna, you stay that way until you retire. Sometimes Yokozuna are kind of pressured to retire by the Sumo Association, but once you hit that status, you get it forever. 
under that, the Ozeki is the second to the Yokozuna. They can lose their status as Ozeki, so they have to compete. Um, this makes it hard. Uh, this is, you know, a lot of people disagree with it being this way. Uh, for example, Tochi Notion is a very popular um, sumo wrestler, but he's always injured. At one point, he was an Ozeki. Now he's a Ma- he went all the way down to like Magashira, I think, 15. Now he's up to Magashira 4. Um, he's 33 years old. He's the Georgian wrestler. Not Georgia, like Atlanta, Georgia, but uh, Georgia, the country where I think we went to put nukes once to protect Poland, and Russia got upset under the Bush administration. Either way, <clears throat> uh, he's a guy who can't pull out of the tournament because he'll lose his... Uh, rankings, and then he has to kind of start from scratch again, and then, then that's not good. But anyway, um, hold on, I dropped my phone here. So yeah, uh, the, the big surprise here, like I said, is Takakesho, and we're really hoping that he turns it around. And um, from there on out, that's, that's, that's a good thing. Um, th- there wasn't a ton of beer news this week, so you're going to hear me go a little bit longer than usual. Not that I'm just trying to fill the time, but I mean, you know, I try to get an hour in. I try to do that, you know, if it's sometimes it's less, sometimes it's more. But usually it's a, the hour is the sweet spot. Usually the way I do my show, the hour is how it goes. So I got to I got to report. There's a couple things that have happened to me that I got to talk about real quick. First of all, I had a pretty now don't don't let this deter you. I'm still an advocate for the vaccine, but I had a pretty poor reaction to it. Now, I um I had the most incredible back pain and muscle spasms that I've had in a very long time. And I didn't do anything to bring it on. So I kind of, then, you know, the physicians that I've spoken to, they're like, okay, they just take note of it. And they're like, uh, you know, we hope you do better. So I had to be on some, I was on some muscle relaxers to try to help out the pain and stuff like that. And, and even right now, and I had the, I had the vaccine last Friday. So not this Friday, but the Friday before, I think it was the eighth. I still have a lump in my arm and it's warm to the touch. And it hurts. It's very tight there, too. Um, So this vaccine is a bit of a wallop. Uh, Now, the only thing I'm really concerned about is that they say, excuse me, they say that the second dose is a lot worse. So I might actually put some request some time off uh, from work vacation time to plan around that because I literally I went to work on Monday and Tuesday, I couldn't move from the bed. My back was so locked up. And it started on Sunday. I powered through Monday at work. <clears throat> but Tuesday, I woke up. I was fucked. I called up the, the job, and I was like, I, I don't know if I can make it. And it's really bad right now. And I didn't go. To, I haven't been to work since Monday. That's Monday. And now tomorrow, I'm off for uh, Martin Luther King Day. So, I, I mean, it's been well over a week since I've been at work. And it's been it's been really painful. It's been really, really hard. Luckily, I was able to get to my physician. Like I said, he prescribed some medications to help me out. And he's like, I don't know if it's the vaccine because I really haven't heard about that. But then when I spoke to uh, the employee health people and like I think some people from the state were actually uh, I spoke to, too, they they kind of like took it all down. And they were like, all right, you know, this is this is obviously something from the vaccine. We're going to let you rest up a little bit and then you can go back to work and stuff. So we're going to see what happens. I hope the second time around it's not going to be as bad. Uh, But, um, you know, a lot of people are saying that it is. You know, we just got to, oh, excuse me. I just got to hope for the best here. You know, this Pilsner is not too bad. Not too bad right here. I couldn't do Treehouse again. Number one, I'm running low. And number two, it's it's too good. And everything I have after it is just mediocre. So the last two weeks of, of beer reviews here, I, may, I might have shortchanged people a little bit. I don't know. <clears throat> and if I have, I'm sorry. 
You know, if you want to take that up with me, you can. If you want to, if you want to, you know, talk to me about it, I'm here. I'm here to talk to you about it. You know, if you disagree, I know one of them is from the French Canada, so I'm probably not going to hear from them or anything like that. So the next thing I want to talk about, this is really great. You know, and a lot of people are always clamoring to find <clears throat> new stuff to watch on Netflix and stuff like that. If you're not watching anything new, go ahead and watch Bore on the, I mean, excuse me, Secession on HBO. And then you can listen to the companion podcast, the leading companion podcast, which is run by myself and Rob DeVito. It's called Bore on the Floor. Great podcast. Really great. Fun. Just, we really, we just, you know, we really tackle the show and break it down. I really got a, a phlegm going. I had to really clear that out there. Sorry about that. Uh, it's really fantastic. A lot of fun. We do it uh, as much as possible. I know I'm very busy all the time. And um, I try, I really try to get it all done. But uh, it's 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 great. You know, check it out. But I, with my wife, right, we were watching, we started watching 90 Day Fiance. Now, lately, there's been a lot of, um, a lot of hype around 90 Day Fiance, but it's been around for a while. I think it's been around since 2010, I want to say, or maybe 2012 uh, uh, around there is about, but uh, a lot of it came to prevalence now because of the no-neck Ed guy who got that wife from the Philippines. I mean, I say like that, got that wife. It sounds like he went out online and ordered or whatever, but I think it's like they meet organically and then well, the premise of the show, and I do think, and I think this happens with a lot of shows, I think they start off unscripted. I do. Like Gordon Ramsay's show, for example, The Kitchen Nightmare Show. Like if you look at like his the very first episode of that show, first of all, it's in England. And second of all, it is nothing like the shows that we see now where they're screaming. He's like, you fucking nitwit. You're a stupid cunt. Like, you know, none of that stupid. Like, not that it's stupid. It is pretty entertaining. I mean, it's got him, you know, very, very famous. But if you watch like the early uh, kitchen like nightmare show, the, like the where the kitchen nightmare show came from. The British version, so it's kind of just like the Office, like when the, it was the British version, and like the Great American, or not the, the the Great British Baking Show, right? It's calm, it's very matter of fact. Like Gordon Ramsay's like, this is uh, you can't you can't have this here. No, it's no good. Uh, put that over there, and maybe maybe we should uh, revamp the menu a little bit. Uh, add add some shallots. Add some shallots. Like <clears throat> none of this like crazy, and it's just of course when you Americanize anything, it's over the top, insane. With violence. I, I, I think, like, when it comes to America, violence is, like, one of the things that we love. You know, it's weird. You know, you got Michael Bay blowing everything up in his movies and stuff, and everyone's going crazy about it. No one wants to watch the Gordon Ramsay show when he's all meek and mild and very British. They want to see him screaming at someone's face, making them cry and stuff. Are you fucking crying? Is that what you're doing? You fucking bitch! Like, like they want to... Like, it's ridiculous. But... Uh, you know, going back to the 90 Day Fiancé thing, like nowadays, like when a show has that much of a a path, like like that long of a stretch, it gets old after a while, I think, in terms of what they're doing. And I think they write some things in, like the things that the no-neck Ed guy was doing, like showering with the dad in the Philippines and stuff, like, <laughs> you know, it just seems so scripted. But when you look at these earlier shows, they're kind of, there's a boring factor there. And that boring factor... I tend to think that that leans towards what the realism is. You know, when you have that, like, okay, this is kind of regular stuff. You know, it's not, it's like not crazy compelling television, but it is kind of fun to watch. So now I'm watching, I watched the whole first season of Nine Day Fiance. We get to the second season. And so the premise of the show is, and I'm pretty sure you know this, but for those of you that don't know, the premise of the show is um, American men, 
it's, it's so far it's just been American men, right? And now in this episode, I mean, in this season, we have an American woman. Uh, Americans, we'll say, meet people on the internet through chat rooms or other things like that. Um, and they fall in love with these people over the internet. <clears throat> Sometimes they go and visit them and stuff like that. So like the first season, the guy was like, we only been together for 10 days, like 10 full days together. And like, they'll propose marriage and stuff like that because they're in love and they know that they're going to last and blah, blah, blah. So they propose marriage and stuff. And then they get something called like a K1 visa, I believe it's called. And they have, according to that visa, they could come into this country and then they have 90 days to get married or then that person has to go back to their home country. So what's the catch here, right? Obviously, you look at these couples, you look at what's going on, you look at the families and the dynamics, and what you see is it's a uh, a dance with whether or not these people are coming to this country for the person or they're just trying to get into America, basically. And now what the, this season we have... Mohammed from Tunisia meets Karen from like Ohio, not like Ohio, like no, no, not even Ohio. I think it's like Arkansas, right? Or Ar- Kansas or Arkansas. Okay, you pick how you want to say that word of that, like how that state's pronounced, because you can go either way with all those. Okay, it's spelt like Arkansas. Anyway, <clears throat> Arkansas. Anyway, so now this woman, God bless her, she's about two hundred and maybe fifty pounds. She's got a severe underbite. The teeth are quite spaced out. She's got these thick glasses. She's got a, a button nose, like she, like a, 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 is a button nose, like a square nose. She's, she's a homely woman. She's got three teenage daughters, and she's, she lives in like a trailer, right? And this guy, Mohammed, is from Tunisia. He's a Muslim man. He's 20, like two years old. His hair slicked back. He's a handsome Arabian Sultan-looking dude, right? Got this brown leather jacket. He's like, I am from Tunisia. I am very love with Karen, and I want to have a beautiful life. When you see them together, because he's like, he's like a strapping young man, and here is this, this, based like this cave dwelling. Like, I mean, you're looking at it, it was. It's bad. It's not. Look, I'm, I'm, I'm a pretty, I'm a pretty hulking human being, pretty large human being. I don't think I'm the prettiest human being in the world. And who am I to judge, right? But you have to do that here. Okay, you have... When it comes to television, you're allowed to judge, okay? <clears throat> so this woman is a wildebeest. And he's like... And the the thing that was just hilarious was like he starts trying to infiltrate the family. I think he's... And I haven't watched the whole thing through. I think he's just trying to get the visa or just get the citizenship. Because in America, if you get married, boom, you're a citizen. You know? So he's like, I want to have a beautiful life with her and her daughter and the daughters and we will love, we will love each other so then he's like got to meet the family right so they get like these rootin tootin like the guys wearing camouflage everything like his his denim is just destroyed like the cousins and stuff like that the whole the whole Beverly Hillbillies is coming out for this this little event they take them out to the nicest place in town which looked like an Applebee's well like a knockoff of an Applebee's you know what i mean so they get in there and they're like, I'm going to get the ribs and let me get a side of that cornbread. And uh, you know what? Let me get a bacon cheeseburger as an appetizer. Like these people are the salt of the earth type of folk. That, like I'm sure they're nice people and stuff. I don't want to sound like an elitist. Like I'll eat a cheeseburger. I'll eat a bacon cheeseburger. You put that shit in front of me, I'm going to eat it. So I don't want to sound like a piece of shit about that. But like these people are just, you know, you, you know who they are, right? 
And now they get to Muhammad and he's like, I cannot have, I do not eat meat. And this guy goes, you don't eat what? Like this man was, was floored by this. He's like, well, what, what do you eat, man? You can't eat no meat. You, what does that mean? No bacon? No bacon? And Muhammad goes, I have to have halal, halal. And he goes, Allah, Allah. So he starts trying to explain to him what halal is. And it honestly looked like he was trying to mathematically walk him through that we live in the third dimension of nine. This man's face, okay, this man's face was so contorted. And so he's like, we have to, uh, you know, there is a blessing over the food before the slaughter. And then so he's like, I do that every time right before I hit that, that white tail. I say my little prayer. You won't come hunting with me? We'll get your al al. And it was just hilarious to me. And so it, it tickled me. It tickled me a whole bunch. And then you have other, you know, other men trying to trying to woo these women from the Philippines and Russia and stuff. And it's just, it's just a fun little show. I think I invite you to take a look at it. And there's another show that I want to get you on to, right? It's called Surviving After Death, I think it's called, right? And now this is a great show. I kind of like paranormal stuff. I think it's fun. I think that... Um, you know, it, it's a curiosity that I think everyone has, you know what I mean? And in the first episode, they have, like, these medical doctors talking through the stuff that they've experienced with paranormal afterlife experiences. And, like, you know, when doctors are explaining it, you know, you think that, you think that they're more credible than, like, you know, Karen over there from Arkansas. So one of the cool things that had happened was, you know, I was... Now, I don't think that... So the reason that I like the show, let me let me do that first before I get to the next thing. The reason I really like the show is because there are skeptics in the show as well. And there's kind of like they're explaining what their end of it was and what they saw and what they experienced. And then you have the skeptics on the other side, too, trying to explain it and trying to, you know, you know, you know, tr explain it down to, you know, what it is you what you can only see and observe so much in terms of scientific blah, 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 and stuff like that. So, you know, it's just a really cool thing. I like the fact that there's that two there's that two classes of thought at the subject. It's not just one side telling you their side and trying to force it down your throat. Then you get to the fucking mediums, bro. And it is unbelievable how like they are so good at like selling it, man. And they're just like, you know, you get this little Swedish lady who does all these like different voices of like a little boy and like another woman and stuff. And they're doing their cold reading stuff. And that's just such horse shit, man. And then you have another woman on the same thing that was very convincing. And it kind of keeps you guessing the whole time. And I thought that was really, really neat. But I have to share with you something that happened to me that was quite out of the ordinary last night. Now, you know, there are people that will be able to explain this in certain ways and stuff like that. But, you know, for me, it was just very bizarre and very, very weird. And so I'm, I'm you know, it's around 1230 in the morning. I can't really sleep. So I go to play video games and stuff. My wife is sleeping in the bedroom and the, the baby is sleeping in her crib. And now I start playing a game where it's like, you know, it's rounds and stuff. It's like Rainbow Six, right? So you do a round and then you, they last about two minutes or three minutes each, right? So now I'm playing this game. Three minutes go by. I check the camera. The child just out cold. When I mean out cold, like her, her arms are flailed out. She's on her back. Mouth's wide open. This kid's out, right? Excuse me. Another round goes by. Keep checking it. The three minutes, sometimes they're a minute long, you know, if everybody dies or something like that. So I'm, I'm just playing the game, checking the camera, playing the game, checking the camera. 
So I'm doing that for about an hour or so, you know, nothing crazy. Now, Ari, like I said, is asleep. Everyone's asleep. I switch over to a game called Mordha, which is a medieval fighting game, which is so much fun. You get swords and you just, it's very brutal, very, very graphic. Fun to do. But now it's no longer the three minute increments. You could last, you could survive for five minutes. You could survive for six minutes or you can get killed in 20 seconds. So the camera, um, me looking at the camera is a little less frequent, but there she is just out cold, arms up, sleeping, hasn't even moved, right? So I'm playing, I'm playing. Now I realize I'm going a little bit longer than I usually do. And Ari comes over and taps me on the shoulder, like two taps with her fingers on my shoulder. And it startles me and I turn, Ari's not there. And I turn even more, look around at the door frame to see if she was like tapped me and ran. She's not there. She's dead asleep in the bed. So then I think it was maybe my shirt, but it couldn't have been my shirt because I felt my shoulder, I, like it was on my tricep. I felt it go in. Like I felt someone tap me twice. And I don't know why I just, now mind you, I have these headphones on. I've got these cans on my head, over the air headphones. It's pretty loud. Can't hear anything. I don't know why, but I just instinctually picked up the phone, turned on the camera and the baby was up and standing at the edge of the crib, trying to open the door. Uh, so she needed me. And I, like, you know, take it how you will, whether you think, whether you believe in ghosts or paranormal or stuff like that. I know for a fact that someone, something tapped me on the fucking shoulder and it was really scary, but I wasn't scared. I was more surprised. I never felt, I never felt frightened. I felt more, um, I felt just more startled. I feel kind of foolish talking about it because, you know, it's kind of weird and stuff like that because you're like saying, like, I'm saying a ghost touched me. What do I got to do now? You know, have a have a, a seance up there to try to maybe make contact with whoever it was. Well, whomever or whatever it was, I think the intentions were all right because it was kind of telling me, hey, your daughter's up, bud. And that's pretty cool. You know, hey, you left a toaster on. Hey, you left the you left the you know the curling iron plugged in. What what's wrong with having a little friendly ghost to tell you you know <laughs> to just help you around the house? You know, like Casper. Casper was a friendly ghost, and so was kind of like this one that tapped me. And like I said, I'm not making it up. I'm I swear to God, got no reason to do it, no reason to make any of this up. But it's what happened to me, and it was startling. And I decided to share it with you guys. So there's not a ton of beer news. I'm going to get into the hop of the week, and then we're going to jump right into the news that we do have. And then we're going to do ourselves that beer review. And we're probably going to finish up um, a little under an hour or so. So let's get to the next segment, shall we? Oh, let me do the, uh, let me do the commercial, and then, I'll, uh, and then I'll get back to you guys. All right, everybody. I know it's the middle of the show, but I always forget to plug this show on my own show. Isn't that crazy? So check this out. If you're listening on Apple Podcasts, if you could stop what you're doing, go down to the review and give me five stars, it would be really, really great. If you even want to drop me a line there, that'd be cool too. Don't forget, you could visit www.3beersin.com. That's with two N's at the end. Right there, you can find the contact tab. You click that, you drop me a line. Question, comment, concern, anything. I'll try to get it on the show. Not to mention, also, on that main website, that's where you can hit the merch tab and buy yourself some awesome three beers in gear. You like hoodies? We got hoodies. You like just regular t-shirts? We got that too. We even have cases for your phone, man. 
Are you afraid of websites? Don't worry. You could always just Google three beers in. Don't forget the two ends at the end. And you could find my Facebook. You could find my Twitter. You can see that I'm on Untapped. And you could also find other platforms in which to listen. Did you know that we're on Spotify? After the many years of doing this show, what really makes it all worthwhile is the fact that I get to come on down here, drink some beer, and hang out with my pals. That's basically what it is. Everyone that listens to this show is a friend, is a family member. You guys are the reason I do it. Thank you so, so much. Share it to somebody else. Maybe they can get the feeling of the community while we do it. Who knows? We shall see. But thank you all again so very much. Thanks for listening to this commercial. And let's get on with the show, shall we? Time for the hop of the week, ladies and gentlemen. Thank God for the power of this technology. I can pause, go put the laundry in the in the dryer. It's also a very good excuse for you to do a podcast. If you want to go in your basement with some equipment, right? You start a podcast, you tell your wife, I'm going to do the laundry and the podcast. It's two birds on stone. Anyway, the beer, uh, excuse me, the hop this week is called... Excuse me. Oh, I dropped my... Ah, fuck it. I do... I dro... The name of the hop this week is Pacific Sunrise. Pacific Sunrise was released in 2000 by Hort Research in New Zealand. Pacific Sunrise's take up by commercial breweries has been sluggish. Despite this, it features favorable bittering properties and a pleasant piney aroma. It is uh, the result of a cross between the result... This is actually how it's written. I'm not even, this, like, you know, it sounds like weird English. It is the result of a cross between the result of a European and New Zealand male on one side and a California cluster and a fuggle on the other. God. That's it. It's a bittering hop, and it comes in at anywhere from, uh, in the alpha acid composition uh, department, anywhere from 12.5% to 14.5%. This is a big boy right here. I wonder if I can get my hands on some... Pacific Sunrise. I know I've always I've I've said repeatedly that I need to get back into brewing beer, into brewing beer. But I have been dragging my feet. Pacific Sunrise. Uh, it's a Seattle apartment building. That is not what it is. Seven Run Hops. There we go. Seven Run Hops. And they. Oh, you have to. You can get them online. And how much are they? I might. Maybe I'll try to use them one day. Where's the where is it here? Oh, they have they have different similar hops. Stores. Uh, it doesn't have it here that I could buy it. That's not cool. That's not cool at all. But there's a description here: lemon and clementine citrus take the wheel and drive this hop forward uh, with tropical hits of melon and mango riding shotgun. Stone fruit and jammy sweetness support the initial frontline aromatics alongside pleasant floral notes that help round out the overall profile. Subtle yet notable hints of pine and berry refract through the aroma with lingering bits of hay and herbs that stay in their lane and are not distracting. That read like a sex novel. Okay. For the, for the I mean, a lot better than Hopless right here. I might start just going to the websites that offer it and just try to maybe go from there with it in terms of uh, giving you guys the description of what we have here. Um, what do we got now? That's right. 
It is time for the beer news, ladies and gentlemen. What you've all been waiting for. Ah, Thank God I found this fucking news music. I'm big into production value. So not a crazy beer news week, so to speak. Like, I don't have a ton to get to. Um, But I will do what I have, okay? I will do what I have. First thing I have up here on the list of articles is from Artnet.com. Artnet News says here, the cheapo beer brand Natural Light says its new marketing stunt is the most expensive artwork of all time. Now, before I jump into this real quick, I do know that there's a bit of a cult following over like Bush beer and Natty beer. They call it Natty, Natty Ice and Natty Natural and stuff like that, or, or, or Natty Light. I have never had a Bush or Natty beer. Never had it before. I've had I've had the Budweiser's, Coors, Miller. Had that. I've had Paps the Ribbon. I've had Yinling. That's it. And I've never even so much as sipped a Natty or a Bush. I, one day I might want to just give it a try. I want to see what the allure is. Honestly, I mean, if it's just a very cheap version of Bud Light, then I then I'll get it. But I mean, maybe they're. I don't know if they're onto something or anything. But the brand says it costs even more than the Salvatore Mundi. Now, I'm not an art guy, so I don't know uh, what, what it is. But I'm having a look here. Natty's, Natty Lights' art installation, courtesy of Natural Light, it is, I see a, a wooden desk with two legs, like two, two legs, uh, with a wooden chair in a great hallway. It looks like a, like a very big hallway, a lot of marble, a lot of stone, and um, uh, very large windows, very tall windows, very, very tall ceiling here. And there's stacks of paper all around. Like, I'm talking like six foot to seven foot, eight foot tall stacks of paper. Six foot, seven foot, eight foot, one, and of paper. And then there's a whole bunch of paper just like in the air. I don't know how they're suspending these papers, but it looks as if someone took the paper and just threw it up in the air. Looks pretty cool. Uh, what's the most ludicrous art world marketing campaign of all time? It is Maurizio Catalan's $120,000 banana. There's a hyperlink there. I am very tempted to click it, but I'll probably hit a whole bunch of ads. Duct tape to a wall at Art Basel, Miami Beach. Is it the, or is it the sale of Salvatore Mundi, the portrait of a Jesus supposedly by Leonardo da Vinci that sold for an absurd $450 million at Christie's in late 2017. I feel like this is very artsy. Like, I feel like they're going to be name dropping a whole bunch of art that I have no idea what it's... I have, I've never heard of any of this stuff. $120,000 banana makes me figure, like, why didn't I pay attention in art class and do that? That campaign titled Da Vinci of Debt is made up of the suspended mass of 26,000... Oh, no, it should be 2,600 authentic college diplomas provided by real college graduates across the U.S., that campaign titled Da Vinci of Debt. Okay, confused. The idea. Where did I go here? Oh, I'm sorry. Or is it one unveiled today at the Grand Central Terminal? Oh, it was, it's in the Grand Central Terminal in New York. That campaign, I'm sorry, titled Da Vinci of Debt is made up of a suspended mass of... Tw- okay, so these are college diplomas that are in the air. Suspended 
authentic college diplomas provided by real college graduates across the U.S. Confused? The idea is that with the cost of an average four-year college education at about $180,000, the cumulative, cumulative, whatever, value of the diploma display rings at about $470 million, surpassing the cost of the record-shattering Salvatore Mundi. Even more surprising is the force behind the show, Natural Light, the cheap and popular beer brand affectionately dubbed Natty Light by its fans, mainly college students drawn to its lower calorie count and, most importantly, lower price point. The brand is now the fourth it is now in the fourth year of a 10-year, $10 million. This is actually pretty neat right here. You know, I mean, when you see this type of giving back, and you know I'm a big stickler on that. Like, I love when I hear about charity work and I hear about people in the community doing for others here. Hmm. The brand is now in the fourth year of a 10-year, $10 million commitment to distribute $1 million annually to students and graduates quote, who are weighed down by the burden of debt, said Daniel Blake, vice president of value brands at Anheuser-Busch, which owns Natural Light. So this is an InBev venture, but I will continue nonetheless. Those interested in getting some of that money must tell their story for why they attended college by March 21st. 40 winners will re- each receive $25,000. College debt is one of the most important social issues in the country today, Blake said in a phone interview with Art. Excuse me, with Artnet News. More than 45 million Americans have college debt. The total debt amount is more than $1.7 trillion and is continuing to grow. We felt strongly about putting a stake in the ground and supporting those people who really need it. So why call the project an artwork? The art world is filled with an absurd price tags and the most people that find it impossible to justify, Blake said. That's what made it a perfect medium for this campaign. The diplomas are suspended in midair quote, as if a gale of wind had just scattered all 2,600 of them throughout their uh, cavernous 6,000-square-foot uh, 6, space, according to the press release. It is quite nice-looking. And they are diplomas, and they look like they're in frames, too. The installation is meant to stress the enormous scale of student debt and the chaos it creates for those saddled with it. Blake told Artnet News that the brand was uh, surprised at the eager response they had got from graduates who sent their diplomas, especially considering the company never told them how the certificates would be used, students did receive $100 in exchange for, quote, renting the diplomas. As part of the stunt, Natural Light said in a release that it is calling on top, oh, excuse me, it is calling on the deep pockets of the fine art world to consider bidding on the historic artwork. So is it for sale? And what about those students who temporarily lease their diplomas? Are they expecting them back? If it means giving more people the opportunity to enjoy the college experience without the debt that follows, we're all ears, Blake said. Natty, has, uh, Natty is uh, dedicated to doing everything we can to provide real solutions to college debt. And if there were serious, if there were a serious bidder, you know where to find us. If there's a bidder willing to pay $470 million for the piece, we'll consult with every participant who loaned their diploma to to us to see what we could do about selling if they'd be open to selling the piece you know i find it you know it's a double-edged sword i mean we're talking about a company here that could probably you know solve the fucking college debt problem like they could probably sell, uh, solve it let me see how much uh, anheuser uh, like inbev is worth inbev worth right you know let's see 
your your public company. All right, maybe not. They're fifty-two billion dollars, right, as of twenty nineteen. And I'm sure they could make a huge dent for for a lot of people more than just this what they're doing here. But I mean, I understand what they're doing. It's just that there's enough money in the world to fix this problem. It's just that they probably just don't want to fix this problem. The next thing we have up here from Fox2Now.com. This is coming out of Missouri, so shout out to everyone in the Missouri uh, location that listened to the show. Former beer cave discovered in a St. Louis neighborhood. Interesting. And this is out of St. Louis, Missouri. A cave once lost to time has been rediscovered in the Benton Park neighborhood after more than a century. Quote, we lowered a LIDAR unit down here to map out the cave, and, and here is the approximate route to the cave. The cave is like a 30 feet wide with a ceiling of about 7 to 15 feet, seven, a ceiling of 7 by 15 feet tall, says Bill Krantz, project facilitator for the McHouse and English Cave Recovery. God, you, have a, you can get a job for anything. We were all out here in the alley jumping around like crazy. The group located the cave last May by Providence Providence Place in the Benton Park neighborhood. Kranz and his crew have been paving the way, working towards the project since 1998. A long time here. As for the cave, it dates back to the early 1800s. Quote, it started out for storing ale, Kranz said. No surprise, knowing the neighborhood's deep history with beer. Quote, this was the brewery epicenter of the city of St. Louis because of all the caves, said Alderman Dan Guther of the Ninth Ward. It really gives us the opportunity to reconnect with the past and hopefully step foot in a garden that has been open for over for, for over a hundred years. Okay. The cave was oh let me take a sip here. That cave was also once home to a mushroom farm, wine grotto, and a community a community gathering spot. Now the cave is only accessible by camera from two holes, but the land above it is still in use, preserved by the uh, Marion Elms uh, society, uh, Community Garden. Oh, okay, so there's a garden on top. We wanted to preserve it in the community garden. Uh, we wanted to preserve it in the community garden just in case development happened. So we could explore uh, for the garden. Oh, that's good. So they're using their um, <clears throat> they're using their powers of having this community garden to protect the cave. Wow, that's pretty cool, man. That they have a cave there that they use to store ale in. That must have been a very. I mean, you have to uh, take into account that when it comes to those Oktoberfest beers, they stored them in caves because it was a lot colder, and they were able to lager their beer there. Maybe they didn't mean ale. Maybe they meant lagering. But uh, nonetheless. This is from porchdrinking.com. This is a pretty important one here. The Craft Brewers Conference announces the uh, moves to Denver in September. Okay. Let's see here. All right. We're going to read this one here. Uh, in an attempt to salvage the ability to move forward with an in-person conference, the Brewers Association has announced this morning, and this was on January 12th, uh, that they will be moving this year's Craft Brewers Conference and the this year's conference was originally scheduled to take place in San Diego from March 29th through April 1st, 2021. It will now be moved to September 9th through the 12th, 2021 in Denver, Colorado. What becomes even more interesting to keep an eye on from the consumer side is added that the announcement of the Great American Beer Festival will hold its competition and award ceremony that week as well, with the award ceremony taking place on September 10th. The Brewers Association did not, uh, excuse me, it did note that the festival portion of the GABF currently remains under review. 
quote, shifting to September in Denver uh, provides us with an opportunity to potentially convene in person, making it possible to do what brewers do best, build community through sharing our expertise and passion and learn from each other, said Bob Pease, president and CEO of the Brewers Association. Uh, And while the move to September does buy more time for the distribution of vaccines and a safer climate from the current state of the pandemic, the Brewers Association did acknowledge that holding the conference in person still remains dependent on the landscape of health and safety protocols leading up to the event. Additionally, should an in-person, excuse me, should an in-person version of the conference not be feasible, there are contingencies in place to move forward with a digital version. The past year has been tumultuous for the craft uh, brewing community as we faced a number of challenges. We are resilient, said Pease. We know that maintaining craft beer's health and vitality for the, futures, uh, for the future starts with CBC and the cultivation and education for our professionals. Uh, we hope to see everyone in Denver this fall. I, I would suggest why not just do uh, do one uh, a virtual one as well for people that can't make it. To the, I can't go to fucking Denver, but I would love, I would, you know, if I could pay a little, little, a little fee to get in on it, I would do that for sure. You know, I would check it out. No big deal. Let's review this beer, shall we? So we have here from the Jersey Cyclone uh, Brewing Company, which is a beer that we've had, uh, I mean, excuse me, a brewery that we had on the show before. Uh, we had something from them back in August called Wit Happen. Let me see. Let me see if I can go back and see. Let me see if I can find it here. That's November, so it's over. So the Audible. We got flannel. We just drone. Sorry about this. Here, I just saw oh, this is terrible. I wonder what episode. It was. Oh, I think it was 175. Let me see here. Yeah, Wit Happened. So when I did what happened for episode 175, it was a it was a nine 9.0, which is pretty darn good. What the fuck? Shit. Sorry about that. My wife called me right in the middle of a beer review. Um, hold on one second. I'm so sorry. Sorry about that. All right. Now we can now we can continue. Uh, so the wit happened got a 9.0, which is a very fantastic score, uh, a beer drinker's score, by the way. So let's see what we get here with um, another offering from them, and it is their stout, a milk stout, by the way, calm before the storm. Really nice can, very very actually calm before the stormish. I like when they do, uh, uh, you know, artwork that kind of uh, intertwines with what's going on here. So what they have here written on the Jersey Cyclone Brewing Company website, we have. Calm before the storm, uh, stout slash milk slash sweet. This traditional milk stout went through the cyclone and got turned on its head using a large dose of milk sugar in the boil and then uh, conditioned with loads of cocoa nibs, cocoa nibs, cocoa nibs, cocoa nibs, whatever the fuck. This beer is a perfect representation of a chocolate milk stout. The calm, subtle taste of milk chocolate on top of a delicious base of roasted malts is reminiscent of a dark, looming clouds on the horizon. It says here the aroma and taste is milk chocolate and roasted coffee. So again, I had made mention that this was coming in at a 6%. And uh, let's have a look here, shall we? 
as we pour this one out, we see we have here a motor oil black, very thick consistency as it comes out of the out of the uh, can here. There's like no head. I mean, we're talking half a finger ahead here, and it's like a, it's like a copper tan head. All it's gone. It's already gone. It's already gone. The, honestly, the beer looks flat. If I'm going to be honest here. Um. The thickness out of the can was quite noticeable. I'm going to be honest with you as I poured it out. And it is completely opaque. You cannot see through it whatsoever. I mean, this is a thick, thick beer. And like I said, I was apprehensive at first at it being a six percenter. But what we're actually seeing is that it has the makings of an actual outright stout. Now, that could be from the lactose or excuse me, the milk sugar that they put in. Um you know, that will change the consistency, but let's get a nose on it and see what's going on. Mm. It smells like a, like a sweet roasted chocolate. Uh, there's earthy tones here. There's no hop presence whatsoever. It smells very toasty. Um, it has like a prototypical stoutish smell to it. Very earthy in its qualities. Um, there is a definitely an underlying sweetness that I smell there, which is interesting. So I, I, I'm excited about giving this a taste because it, I feel like at a 6%, this is going to be actually be pretty good. Let's get a taste here, shall we? Okay. Very smooth. Medium carbonation, which is surprising because I said that the beer looked flat. I mean, there was no head or anything like that. But um, yeah, it's medium there. Uh, you could taste like that toasty roasted malt in the beginning. And then there's just a very dry, peculiar uh, flavor toward the finish. It turns odd, but not um, anything crazy. Um, despite being only a six percent, I kind of feel the alcohol burn here. Let me give it another flavor, another another uh, go. Yeah, yeah, it's surprising to me. I've had, I've had double IP, uh, triple IPAs. Double IPAs that have like eight percent and like you don't get it at all. This is just a six percenter, and I'm feeling I'm feeling the burn there. Um, not getting any of that. I mean, there's a subtle sweetness in the beginning, but it, it is nowhere near as hyped up as like they were they were kind of saying it was. Unfortunately, um, I'm not getting any really chocolate flavors coming through here. I'm getting like there, I'm getting like that roasted malt flavor, but I'm not getting much in terms of like the milk chocolate chocolate milk if you will uh characteristics here it definitely has the mouthful of a, of a stout here um i'm gonna move on to the style part here it, it definitely has a mouthful of a stout uh in terms of like because a porter would be a little bit a little bit less um powerful and what do i, what do I mean but not powerful a little less um um thick it wouldn't have that uh, that uh, consistency to it, you know. Almost like you could chew this beer here, but uh, it just it falls very short of any flavor punch, and that might be because of like the lack of ABV we see here. Like if this instead of a six was an eight percenter, you know, and you used that much more of the cocoa, um, maybe even that much more of the um, the milk sugar, I think then it would be a little bit more full flavored. Uh, this one is just very, very bland with that. Um, 
you know, I, I'm, I'm disappointed for sure. And I feel really bad because this is a pretty, I mean, I was very impressed with the way it happened. Um, and I gave it a nine, <clears throat> but this beer, I have to give it a four. Um, I give it a four because it's just underwhelming on all fronts. But the reason, I mean, you could have an underwhelming beer and it still be a beer that you can enjoy. But what makes this so unpleasant for me, and again, this is just my opinion of it, is that at a 6%, um, I shouldn't have to f- suffer an alcohol burn. If I want to, like if I'm having an 8, like a maybe a 9 or a 10% imperial stout, like a real stouty stout, and you feel that burn, it's worth it's worth it and almost almost like it's um it's something that's uh, desirable. But at a 6% and it's supposed to be milky sweet or like a smooth, I mean it has that 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 smoothness of like that you would get out of like a full fat milk or whatever. You know, it has that velvety smoothness to it, but the sweetness is just not there. There's no milk chocolate on top of this roasted malt, as it has said here in the description. I don't know if maybe it just went off. I don't know if the can was maybe in there just too long, but um, it just isn't hitting the mark for me. But do not do not sleep on Jersey Cyclone Brewing Company. I was extremely impressed with their way it happened. And you know what? They can't hit a home run every time. They have other stouts there, too. Like they have this back for s'more. And this is an 8% stout, and they say that it's a milk sweet stout, a bold dessert stout. And I'm pretty sure that that stout is fantastic. You know what I mean? So, um, I, I can't even give you like a place for this beard, where to have it, when to have it. It's not desirable to me. I would never have it again. I give it a four because I do think that they did the smoothness pretty well, you know. And that they achieved a pretty good mouthfeel for a six percenter, you know, but I'd rather it be more dry. Give me a porter instead, you know. And if you're going to, you know, say that it's a chocolate milk stout, then that's what I expect. And I just didn't get that. So a four, I think, is a pretty fair score. Oh, let me try this music on the way out. I think a four is a pretty fair score. It kind of rhymes a little bit. It is what it is. I say that a lot. It is what it is. But anyway, I'm so glad that you guys have joined me today. For this episode of Three Beers In, I really hope to catch you guys next week. Um, Don't be afraid to go get the vaccine if you can get it. I am due to get my next dose in February, so we'll see what happens. Anyway, I hope you guys have a great great weekend. Congratulations to the Buffalo Bills. You know, Bills Mafia is going crazy right now. A whole bunch of tables just, uh, you know, rest in peace to them. But thank you all for listening so very much. I'm really glad that you guys joined me here today. Um, Love you guys so very much. I'm going to catch you guys next week. Take care, everybody.